This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. www.brfcs.com By the fans For the fans Since 1996 Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 67 I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor Assistant editor Eddie joins us in the virtual studio for today's podcast and we'll be talking about the last three matches against Burnley, Leicester City and Huddersfield Town. So it's uh, it's been a while, Eddie. How are you doing? Hi, it has been a long time. I've, I'm doing well. I'm back in Paris now and I've, good, I've had a good summer. So it's good to, have the, good to be back, good to have the football season back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been over in the States a little, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, I was in Cleveland for a little bit, not the not the most exotic sort of uh, destinations, and in England a bit, but now sort of back into a settled normal life. Good, yeah. Um, you were over in England during pre-season, or did you miss all the pre-season? I missed I missed most of the pre-season. Um, I was in, I was there for the just the start, uh, but but most of it I missed. Have you managed to get to any games at all? Not yet, not yet. Um, I was supposed to supposed to make it over um, at the beginning of at the beginning of September for a, for a match, but I wasn't able to do so. So probably have to wait now until middle of October or early November to uh, to make it back over and get to a game. Yeah, yeah. good. But you've been keeping up with the Rovers, and uh, also you've uh, managed to get in the Burnley game. Uh, that was live around the world yes yeah that was um shown shown in bars here in paris 
Um, so it's not particularly popular, but but it was it was he was he was on. And we've had a, we had a couple of other matches that have been put on some the small channels here that show uh, uh, championship football. So uh, it's not been too bad so far this season. Coverage has been better than last year, actually. Um, hopefully that continues. Good. Uh, you managed to see the Huddersfield and the Leicester games as well. Yes. Yeah, I watched. I watched the the Huddersfield match. I had to listen to the radio for it during the game, but I watched the watched the match this morning. The sort of well, the seventy-five minute highlights. So, have a pretty good uh, um, view of view of that match and the Leicester match. I saw live at the time. Good. Yeah, well, I uh, I also saw the Burnley match uh, live, and uh, I've seen the highlights from the Leicester match. Uh, waiting to see the highlights from the Huddersfield game uh, yesterday, uh, and looking forward to that. But. Um, We'll start off uh, and uh, discuss the Burnley match first. Burnley, um, we still haven't lost to Burnley for over 34 years. Uh, their last victory at Ewood was uh, April 79, and uh, it's uh, Boxing Day in 1978 at Turf Moor since we, we last lost uh, to, to Burnley away from home. Um, so next match is scheduled for the 8th of March at Ewood Park. Uh, so as long as we get through that unscathed, we'll have uh, completed 35 years uh, without losing to Burnley. But we uh, we came pretty close uh, in the last three encounters, and uh, this was pretty close again to uh, to losing. Yeah. Yeah, I have to admit, when they took the lead, I thought it was just because I didn't think we were playing particularly well, and we didn't look very threatening really going forward. I thought that. We were probably not going to be able to get back into it, but obviously got the slice of luck with the Jordan Rhodes goal. Um, so it wasn't wasn't a great performance, but I suppose at the at this point now the only thing that matters is maintaining that unbeaten record. So, so we've got the job done. But um, I fear that with the way the matches are going between between the two sides, that it's sort of only a matter of time before they eventually get the rub of the green, which they probably haven't had over the past few years. I mean over the various ties and matches that have taken place. So I'm not sure how much longer it will keep going for. Mm. Yeah, Burnley are now second in the table on goal difference and uh, uh, yet another uh, good away victory at Leeds yesterday. Um, They're doing very, very well. And uh, in the first half against us, um, I I think it was quite clear that Burnley had the better of the play. Um, However... The best effort, uh, I think, was uh, was from the Rovers. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's true. Um, the second half certainly we improved a bit. Uh, I think, uh, as with a lot of the matches we've had in recent weeks, um, in my opinion, when King becomes this, a little bit more involved, our overall play improves and we come a bit become a bit more threatening. Um, and so, the second half, the beginning of the second half, we were certainly. Certainly looked a little bit more comfortable, uh, but yeah. I mean, at the time, I thought it was looked like it was headed for a nil-nil, and, and then obviously, I mean, their, their goal was a very good one, um, and maybe you could argue was slightly against the run of play at the time. But uh, it certainly wasn't our best performance of the season. Mm. Going back to the first half, uh, what did you make of uh, Trippier down the uh, down the right flank, uh, full back? I thought they were 
they were decent. Um, and I mean, they, their, their build up play was, was, was better. Um, and they were certainly causing us, um, quite a bit of problems getting out wide. Uh, I don't think we're particularly good at defending. Ironically, I actually think we look most threatening when we're able to get the ball out wide, but we're then also not very good at defending it ourselves. And so I think from what I've seen so far, this met in, uh, of our season so far, whenever the, whenever the majority of the play is being played in the, the wider areas of the pitch, it's when, when the matches become most exciting. Um, and I think, in the first half, they were better at doing that. In the second half, we were we were getting better at, at at getting the ball wide and putting crosses in. I think both sides quickly figured out that, that using the space and using the width of the pitch was was the best way to go forward. Um, I think for some time now, our, our fullbacks have been our weak link. Um, I think that's still the case this season. And I think as as Bowie is trying to make us more attacking through the wider areas, through using the likes of King. Um, they aren't necessarily the best players defensively. And so I think it makes us a little bit susceptible, particularly on, on the counter-attack or at least after minutes and after moments in which we've we sort of been on the front foot. I think it's it's relatively easy for sides to break using the width of the pitch against us. Yeah, um, Josh King uh, in the first half was struggling a little bit, I think. But uh, second half, I, I think um, he came more into his own. End of the towards the oh, uh, end of the first half, uh, there was a time when Josh King had a one-on-one and absolutely destroyed the fullback with his pace. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, I, I mean he's he's obviously he's incredibly quick, and I think he's actually he's been one of the, the the main positives I think I've taken so far from this season is he's starting to add. Uh, his decision making's improved, and his his final delivery is is getting better, and he's he's looked just overall more threatening. I I think in apart from maybe in the first match and the, the sort of you know before his injury, what, what Rashina was showing. Um, I think if we are to to if our form is to improve and we're to be involved in the in the, in the playoffs in any way, or at least the the battle for the playoffs, I think King might be the key. Um, I mean, he is he is so so incredibly quick that it's just a trouble for for any side. And if we can, you know, last year he kind of was showing the the makings of a good player from in maybe twenty to thirty percent of the matches that he was playing in. That's certainly a lot better this season. Yeah. Now, um, Tom Kearney uh, was moved into the hole with uh, David Dom uh, being sidelined with injury. Um, what did you make of his contribution uh, overall? Uh, obviously, a fantastic uh, effort in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think he did a decent job. I think the thing is, unfortunately, when without Dunn in the midfield, and also without Rashina playing in that uh, role in between the strikers that we tried to use in the first match, I just think we lack that little bit of cre- creativity. And so, I think we saw that um, in the Burnley game. I, you know, Kearney did a, a sort of serviceable job for me, but. Realistically, he doesn't bring a huge amount of, of attacking threat to the midfield. And I think it can lead to Rhodes being a bit isolated. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he can be overly critical of the way in which he played. But 
I certainly think you there was a no, there's a noticeable differences in the matches that haven't involved done where the midfield play seems to you know still be a bit disjointed and we just don't have that ability to, to get forward and to link roads into the play as easily um, and we just I know that uh, Bowyer has been talking a lot about trying to bring another striker in and I can understand that but for me the key would be to try and find a player who can who can bring a bit of uh, of more threat into the center of midfield or, or into that role behind the striker because without Dunn and without Rashina, uh, I just don't think we have it. Um, Tom Kearney uh, had the best effort of the, the first half um, when he drew a fantastic save out of uh, Heaton in the Burnley goal. Uh, second half, uh, fairly similar uh, distance for uh, the Burnley goal. Junior Stanislas uh, came on in the 68th minute and uh, uh, just uh, eight minutes later uh, he fired in from oh, a good 20, 22, 23 yards I guess. Um, excellent uh, left foot strike. Um, not too dissimilar to uh, uh, to Tom Kearney's uh, strike but, uh, in the opposite side of the goal. Um, what was your take on the defending for the, for the goal, I mean, uh, the, the strike itself was outstanding. But uh, what about the defending for the for the goal? Uh, I mean, it was it was a little bit sloppy, and, and to allow the ball to you know to be to sort of drop on the edge of an area and someone to get a clean strike off without having anyone sort of immediately closing them down um, isn't isn't great. But at the same time, I think at times you can maybe overanalyze. You know, it's it's a it's a really it's a really good hit and. After you know, every once in a while, some you know, you know, people are going to be able to get shots off, and if they strike a ball that well, there's in a sense not much you can do to stop it. Um, I mean, it's he he struck that you know incredibly well. Uh, I don't think you can blame any particular player really. Um, obviously, it's something when a ball's being you know when you when you have the play just immediately in front of your penalty area like that, you, you, you'd hope to do a bit of a better job of, of of a clearing the ball and then and then b if you if you're not able to of then of then closing down any player sort of lurking on the edge of the area. But I think I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too critical. I certainly think so far this season we've had we've conceded goals where the defending has been much more of an issue. I think in that particular instance it was maybe just you know, a moment of quality and sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are quite a few people pointing to uh, Todd Kane's um, lapse, if you will, uh, in not uh, not sticking to uh, Stanislas um, and that allowed him the space to, to play the 1-2. Um, but you'd, uh, you'd take the view that uh, um, it was a, a, a midfielder's uh, responsibility? I mean, it's it's certainly hard for Kane in that. I mean, it's 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 very very central at that point. I think that's it's a difficult thing to maybe expect sometimes of a of a of a fullback uh, in in that sort of position to to track a midfielder coming towards the box. I mean, someone has to someone should be picking them up. But I again, I, I just think at times. You know, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, they they do that same. You know, the same the same situation arises, and he hits it, and you know, he either goes flying into the stands or 
sort of trickles into the hands of, of Keane and we wouldn't, we'd never think anything of it. You'd never analyse the match afterwards and think that it was a poor piece of defending. And so I wouldn't go overboard in being critical of of, any, of, the, of the team or, or, you know, not tracking players quite, quite as well as they maybe should have. Yeah. Now, later on uh, in the uh, second half... Jordan Rolls was uh, given a, a fantastic opportunity when he, when he was played through uh, by the by the Burnley full back. Um, it was it was pretty amusing the way that uh, uh, that he was put uh, put through. Great anticipation by Jordan. Um, and then um, uh, having got having got in on goal, um, he kind of just lost the momentum and. Uh, uh, it was uh, up to the Burnley fa- Burnley defender to uh, to do the to the ju- <laughs> sorry it was up to the Burnley defender to do the job for him by uh, smacking it in off his shin. It slipped over a rather bemused Heaton. Uh, <laughs> when I first saw the goal, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was just a, a straight on goal. I just thought he'd smacked it onto his own goal, which I thought was incredibly funny. But um, yeah, Jordan uh, Jordan did get his shin to it. It's uh, one of the funnier goals that. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, last year's uh, David Dunn offside goal was funny enough, but uh, yeah, this is right up there with uh, with amusing goals. What did you make of it? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, when he was initially when he managed to sort of intercept the back pass, I thought you know he had a great opportunity to score. He sort of dallied on the ball and. He actually looked, you know, for, for Jordan Rhodes, who's, who normally, when you give him that sort of opportunity, looks incredibly confident and assured. He just looked, you know, as if he didn't have any any idea of what he was about to do, as you know, cut it back or try to shoot immediately. Um, when it went in, I thought he'd somehow managed to sort of bend it into his own corner somehow. And But, you know, when it took a couple of viewings on the replay before you know it became clear that it had taken a rather large deflection yeah. I mean it's a good piece of luck and as a Burnley I mean if, if I were a Burnley supporter I, you know it would be a really difficult pill to swallow because it is true that late in you know the two last matches late in the game they've not they've not had much luck um, and I did as, as bad I felt slightly sorry for the the defender um, you know I don't I don't know how I don't know when I'll see anything that remotely approaches that sort of that again, particularly not in a match of that significance. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, so managed to uh, managed to get the goal, and I, I think on the on the reflection of play, um, I think it was uh, uh, well deserved. We were pushing for the winner thereafter, and uh, yeah, I mean. They cleared it from uh, from their six yard area. Todd Kane had the opportunity to clear the ball. It uh, went off Ings, and uh, then Lee Williamson, who just come on what ninety seconds before, uh, then hauled Ings down and was promptly sent off. Is what forty odd yards from goal when it, when he pulled him down. Um, I mean. Reminds me of um, Holland versus England when uh, uh, Coman uh, pulled pulled down uh, the the England striker and uh, prevented England from possibly uh, winning. 
I think that was under uh, that was the the Graham Taylor era, wasn't it? Do I not like orange era? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I mean, as it, for for Burnley fans, that must have been pretty bad to take, mustn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was. It's it's one of those instances in football, though. Watch, watching at the time, it became clear to me. You know, as soon as as soon as Ings got past him, it was it was obvious what Williamson was going to do. I don't think it was. You know, it was that surprising, uh, and I don't think he had a choice. Um, but obviously, it, it's it's right to send him off. Um, but you know, I, I, I certainly think Kane must have been very grateful that he was he was sort of willing to willing to take that one for the team and to take one of that that one for him because it would have been a would have been a difficult few weeks for Kane had, had Williamson not been there to to to, to, to pull the player down um, and obviously I mean it raises certain moral issues about whether you know about professional fouls. Uh, personally, I don't have a tremendous problem with it. Um, I kind of think it's it's part and parcel of sport that occasionally you'll you'll intentionally break the rules. You know, as long as it's not something that that might hurt a player, I don't think it's it's that bad. Um, you obviously spoke about the the Holland England incident. It, it sort of also reminded me of some of the questions that were asked after the Suarez handball in the World Cup. Um, and you know, if I were the player, I think you you need to hold your hands up and, and accept your punishment afterwards. But yes, as a Burnley supporter, I definitely, I mean, I don't think Williamson is he's obviously made him into a little bit of a cult hero, seemingly with our supporters. But he's obviously going to be remembered for a long time amongst Burnley supporters, as you know, probably as a cheat. Yeah. So Lee Williamson uh, and. I think Olsen and uh, Donny have gone down in uh, Ewood Park folklore with that. Uh, so we managed to hold on one each, and uh, that keeps our run going against Burnley. It kept us in mid-table, and then we went down to Leicester uh, midweek on Tuesday. and uh, That was always going to be a tougher test for us. Uh, for for different reasons, I think um, the derby atmosphere and everything was always going to be a test in 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 that sense. But uh, footballing wise, uh, I think everyone had Leicester down for uh, playoffs or possibly uh, contention for uh, the automatic uh, promotion spot. And it proved to be uh, a tough game. First half, um, from what I read and from what I saw in the highlights. Uh, Leicester were uh, far superior to us and uh, uh, going in at uh, two down at half time uh, was a, a reasonable reflection of the play it, it would seem. Uh, how did you uh, see that uh, first half? I thought Leicester were a much better team they deserved their lead um, I don't I mean we weren't, we weren't particularly good and they looked very good going forward I mean they moved the ball very well, uh, the link, you know, the link-up play between their their midfielders and their their, their strikers was good. Um, you know, I think they have some some very talented attacking players, um, which is, I mean, probably reflected in the fact that they were willing to let Marshall go. Um, they certainly have a number of attacking options, and they were on show that night. Um, they looked 
a significantly better team than us. I mean, certainly on the night. Our players weren't particularly happy about the penalty that they were given. Uh, I thought it was a penalty. But um, I think, you know, they, they, deserved the, they deserved their lead. And, and at 2-0 at halftime, I had, I had no feeling that we were going to get back into it or that we stood any chance of picking up a point. Yeah. Um, talking about the penalty, um, I, saw the, I saw the first half highlights. And as you say, the, the interpassing, uh, very, very slick from, uh, from Leicester, um, certainly a, a cut above uh, our own uh, capacity, I think, at the moment. Uh, the penalty to me, uh, I think if if Spur hadn't uh, uh, caught him with his right leg, from kind of in a scissors move, uh, I think he would have been fine. But uh, he certainly took the ball, but uh, it was the scissor movement. And my guess is that linesman, from from his perspective, could only see the uh, the, the right leg coming round the back of uh, of, of the Leicester uh, forward. Uh, and apparently, it was the the linesman, the the referee's assistant, that gave gave the penalty. Uh, the referee apparently uh, was going to let it go, and I presume that's because of his angle that uh, he would have seen uh, Spur taking the ball. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you're, you're always running a big risk making a tackle like that. I mean, we'd already been slightly lucky, fortunate. Um, but, yeah, it's not a, an, a sensible way to make a challenge in the, really on anywhere of, on the pitch, in my opinion, but certainly not certainly not within your own area. Um, you're always you're, you're taking a big chance when you, when you go in like that. So, second half, uh, we got a, a penalty when uh, Chris Taylor... Uh, was bundled over from behind. Uh, Jordan Rhodes uh, took a, a very calm penalty, um, e- easily uh, scored from the spot. Uh, do you think that we deserve to pull one back? You know, there's only one goal difference in the end. Uh, do you think that was a, a fair reflection of how we came back in the second half? Probably not. I think the second half was fairly even but I think the difference between the two sides in the first half meant that sort of over the course of the 90 minutes I think losing by a goal flattered us slightly um, you know I think on another day in the first half we could have easily been three or four behind really which is the way that they were playing and the, the sort of the dominance that they had um, and they then missed chances in the second half to, to get a third goal and, and to put the match to bed but um, I certainly think on on the balance of play, two one two one flattered us. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Were you expecting anything from the Leicester game? Or were you sort of thinking, oh, we'll do well just to uh, uh, keep the score down? Well, I mean, they're obviously have a, they're a good one of the better sides in the division, um, so it was always going to be difficult. And then you always have the sort of feeling that it's the you know the day after the Lord's Mayor's show. To a certain extent, um, and after such a, a physically testing match against Burnley, um, I I would have said I expected us to lose probably, but it's hard in this division because the results are so inconsistent that I'm I'm hopeful going into every match. But yeah, if I'd, if I'd had to place the bet, I would have I would have been reasonably confident that seeing seeing Leicester winning. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would have been very happy going into the game uh, with a draw, to be honest. But, uh, um, I, I think it was um, a, a good pointer to where we're going in the season, uh, Burnley and Leicester matches. Uh, I think we'll do OK, but um, I, I don't think uh, automatic promotion is, uh, uh, is is even in my dreams at the moment. But, uh, no, I... Yeah. For for me, they're, they're th- I, I put Leicester in in a in a, in a group. I think it's the teams, the three teams that are currently in in the top three QPR, Leicester, and and Blackpool. I mean, from what I've, I haven't seen each of them play that many times, but from what I can see, I, I think they're significantly better than the rest of the division. Um, so I'd be surprised if if anyone finished in the automatic promotion spots, um, other than two of those three. Uh, so I don't think we should be too too disappointed in a sense with with losing to away to Leicester, um, but you know I think I think they're cut above us for the time being. Yeah, I just point out that Bur- Burnley are actually second at the moment. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's but, true. I've, I've the the uh, yeah. But our, our the tables that Blackburn <laughs> Rovers fans look at doesn't actually include Burnley. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, anyway, we went into the Huddersfield game um, without a win in a couple of games. Uh, that's now been extended to uh, no wins in three. Uh, Huddersfield now haven't uh, lost in three. And uh, uh, that was actually uh, the nil-nil yesterday. was actually our uh, first clean sheet since we played Huddersfield in April. Uh, so... Uh, Huddersfield, uh, uh, for, for some reason, uh, aren't capable of scoring against us. And, uh, they haven't beaten us at Ewood since 1986, which is rather a long time. And going into the match, uh, Vaughan had seven goals and uh, Jordan Rhodes had six goals um, in the seven matches uh, going into yesterday's game. Um, Chris Taylor had come in for uh, Marshall, who... Uh, uh, only played for about an hour uh, down at Leicester. And uh, Tommy Spur was uh, also involved in a incident uh, against Huddersfield where the uh, linesman decided uh, not to give the penalty, whereas uh, he'd conceded against Leicester. And uh, we had 14 shots to eight, but only one on target. Uh, those are some of the stats. Um, you've seen the game. Uh, so, what were your views? I thought it was a pretty decent performance. Uh, I thought we controlled the match really well. Um, the sort of first, seeming the first few minutes, um, it was very even, and then we sort of found our stride. And I, I mean, really didn't look like conceding, um, at least not by our standards. I mean, we're not the best defensively, but I thought it was one of the best performances we've had this in terms of our ability to actually control a game and to, to actually look like the better side, uh, which we don't over the past sort of 18 months, haven't done on, a, on very many occasions. Um, we didn't manage to turn that dominance into creating goal-scoring opportunities, which again I think comes back to the fact that just there isn't enough creativity within our midfield. Uh, we looked very dangerous when we got the ball out wide. And and really, for the crosses we put into the box, you'd you'd expect um, that we'd take a chance. I mean, particularly with sort of Jordan Rhodes lurking, and you know, 
either the ball just managed to, you know, the cross was good, but just didn't find a find a man on a couple of times, or maybe just didn't have that little bit of luck when the ball was coming into the box. But um, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was a good good performance. Um, and again, sort of as we spoke about before, into the sort of the litmus test that we've had maybe from the last three matches to sort of work out exactly where we stand within the division. Um, if we see Huddersfield as a as a sort of maybe very mid-table side, probably, I think it's a decent reflection of the fact that we're slightly above average at the moment within the division, um, and that similar performances like that should make us competitive in the majority of matches. But I, I like the fact that we, we are using the width of the pitch more and that Bowyer seemingly is, is trying to have that be really the way we look to attack. But I, I do hope that we get some, I mean, with Dunn returning, or if we can bring someone else in just to add a little bit more quality in the center of the park, because I think that's where we're lacking. And I thought that was very telling in, in the game yesterday. Was Tom Kearney uh, still in the hall, operating in the hall? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit more difficult for me to say because even though I saw, you know, I saw sort of very extended highlights, it's a bit difficult to, you know, I was getting the flow of the match. Um, but yeah, that seemed to be the, the case um, from what I could tell. But I would say that his, his performance in the, it was better than against Burnley. I mean, we retained as well. The match was played in their half but they weren't able to, to really create anything despite the fact that, you know, we territorially we were in good spots and, 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 and the amount of possession we had was also good. But we just, we, we lack so much creativity in the midfield that it either takes an error, a, a sort of a moment of genius, or or just the other team to be not very good on the day for us to consistently create chances. Um, for me, Tom Kern is uh, our, our best midfielder at the moment. And uh, he should be basically the first first name uh, down on the team sheet for for a midfield slot. Um, having him further up the field, I think, uh, is uh, it's, it's not a waste of his talent, but I think his his talent could be better employed further back uh, to to control the flow of the game. Um, Josh King, how did he do? Um, he was playing down the left, I guess. Yeah, I I thought, in my opinion, I thought he was our, our best player. And um, his, he, I mean, he put a number of of really good balls into the box. He sort of brings that direct approach with that with it, just the his pace. Um, he looked very threatening, and if we were going to grab a goal, it was most likely to come through his play. So, I mean, as I said before, I think he's been one of the major positives. Yeah, in this season, he's be. You know, adding that final delivery and his decision making has been improved to sort of add, you know, to build on the, the raw ability that he has and the the, the threat that he brings to his pace. Um, but yeah, I thought, of, you know, I thought, whereas last season you, he was he looked decent in maybe one in five occasions. I think it's the opposite now. I think sort of the majority of matches now he looks he looks looks a better player. Mm. Yeah, certainly does. Uh, Jordan Rhodes had uh, the best chance of the game, as far as I can work out, um, as a header, but uh, a little bit far out, was it not? Yeah, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a great chance. Um, it was. It was one of those. I think if you if you manage to score, it's it's a it's a very good, very good header. 
Um, we really didn't create any any clear-cut opportunities um, for him or or for anyone. Um, and so, you know, I don't think it wasn't his best match. But at the same time, even though the service was actually quite good in many respects, we did we did get the ball wide and we did put some good crosses in. It just never worked out that one of those good crosses actually happened to fall to him. I know that sounds a bit bit daft in a way, but you know there are some threatening balls put into the box. They just you know, never quite, we're never quite right. What about Huddersfield? Um, the, you know, they've kept a clean sheet against us. Um, were, were they uh, pressing hard? Uh, were they well organised? They looked reasonably well organised. Uh, to me, they just, as I said, they strike me as being a, you know, a very mid-table side. They, they, they're decently organised. They obviously have that little bit of a threat up front. Um, in some respects, they kind of remind me of a slightly worse version of ourselves. Um, and, you know, they, I'd say it's, it's not a great sign for them that we were able to control the midfield in the way that, in which we were camped in their high for the majority of the match. Because it's not exactly, a, you know, we're not, we're not Barcelona, it's not, our, it's not the way we play. So, so for us to be that much in control, if I, if, you know, if, I'd be a bit worried. But they, they, they're reasonably well organized, but similar to us, they, I think we could have played the match again and, and I don't think either side would have scored. Um, the Tommy Spur incident, I mean, was, was this uh, a something and nothing thing? I mean, I have to admit, I, I didn't think it was a penalty and I only really have seen a mention of it on, on the message board in the discussion of the, after the match. At the time, I didn't think, think that much of it. Um, and certainly, albeit in French, the commentary I had thought this, you know, again, didn't make make a huge mention of it either. So it wasn't it wasn't until um, I really started to read about the match on the on the site that it became more of a talking point than I actually thought at the time. So, I mean, I guess I'd I'd have to say that I'd see it more as something of nothing. But hmm. yeah, sounds like it. So, um. Overall, the uh, the tactics, you know, we're we're playing one in <clears throat> one in the hole just behind uh, Jordan Rhodes. Away from home, this seems to mean that he's very much isolated. Of course, Leon Best uh, has come back into the fold. Came back into the squad this uh, for this uh, weekend's uh, game. Um, we're also still on the lookout for uh, a, another striker. Tactically, uh, how do you see it? Uh, do, you, do you think that we'd be better off uh, having you know, Leon Best up there or bringing someone in who, who's a, more of a target man for Jordan to play off? Do you think we should uh, pursue um, someone who's uh, good in the hole, sort of a, a, a number 10 type, and uh, try to develop, develop a passing game uh, through a number 10? Uh, how do you see us going tactically? I mean, I don't personally. I think it's ideal for Rashina, um, and I don't. You know, you know, don't want to sort of overreact to the influence that he had on the match in the opening game of the season because it was obviously only a brief spell before he went off injured. But it, it strikes me as being if he can operate in that space and get on the ball and you know uh, add that creative spark there. I think that. You know, he could be a consistent match winner for us. So I actually think the tactical approach we have now 
can work, either with him or with Dunn playing. I think it's okay. My only problem with it is with both of them out. I don't think we have a player who can play that role. And you're, you know, you're sticking a square peg in a round hole uh, for whoever is trying to fill in. And why we persist with it, because it's good to try and have some tactical consistency and, and have the rest of the team try and get used to it. But in a match like yesterday, or you know, well, actually probably the last three matches, it, we just don't have a huge amount of, of creative spark and we don't look particularly threatening. Um, so I think when we don't have the personnel available to, 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 to have that creativity in behind Jordan Rhodes, I would prefer to see us play a more conventional 4-4-2 and use best um, and try and stop Rhodes from being quite so isolated. Um, but I think going forward, once we have uh, players return from injury, and also I'd like to see us try and sign another midfielder who can, can play in that way, um, I actually think that the, the way we're playing now, it, it could be very good. But yeah, I'd have to say, if we don't have either Dunn or Rashina available, I'd rather see Best involved. Um, and I know obviously he's had the sort of disciplinary issue that stopped him from being involved in match day squads for the last couple of weeks. But um, I think he's he's could be a could be a player that he, I mean, for the amount of money that we spent on him for this division, he's a player that we should, in a sense, try to get involved. Um, it's, it's a bit of a waste of a, a talented player on our bench. Yeah, it's good to see that. Uh... Um, he and uh, Gary Boyer have made up, um, like you say, this kind of thing goes on all the time in, in football and uh, um, you, you've, uh, you've got to come to terms with uh, these little things and uh, get uh, all your fit players uh, playing for you. Um, DJ Campbell is uh, going to be uh, back fairly soon, uh, from what I understand, uh, so that would be a very, very welcome a uh, bit of competition up front. Um, DJ started pretty well in pre-season, um, scoring a couple of goals, I think. Um, be good to see uh, him back in the fold uh, in the next few weeks. Um, uh, how? What, what do you make of uh, having DJ up there with uh, Jordan? I, th- I think he could be good. Obviously, I mean, he doesn't bring the sort of hold-up play that, that Rhodes could bring, but you, you at least get... Um, a little bit more pace there. It can stretch the play, um, and that might allow Rhodes to get have a little bit more space to work in. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see uh, how he does once he's involved. I, I have to admit that I was I was slightly surprised. I wasn't I wasn't particularly impressed with him last year. So it was one of those that I mean. That I, I maybe didn't expect us to to, to keep him, but um, I certainly think he offers more to the side than than our sort of current approach of you know having no creativity in the midfield and and Rhodes being by himself. Um, I think yeah, that that little bit of pace up front could be could be useful. Yeah, usually uh, over the last year and a half, two years. Um, Usually the conversation turns to defence and organisation, but uh, um, under uh, Gary Boyer, certainly we've been far better organised. And uh, I, I think it's really a question of time, just letting uh, 
players get used to the the style of play and uh, uh, his uh, uh, the way he sets uh, a team up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the first time you've uh, come, been on a, a podcast this season. Um, how do you see things compared with, uh, let's say, the end of last season or mid last season in terms of uh, team setup and organisation? I, I, I'm I'm impressed by what he's done. I think you know, as you said, the team's organised. There seems to be a, a clear plan, a clear approach to the way the team's going to be playing. Um, I think what he did in the in the in the off season was good. I thought we we brought in some some you know sort of motivated players who are suited to the division, um, and so I, I definitely think think things are looking on the up. Obviously, uh, as you said, defensively, you know we haven't been good for some time now, and I think we look better now. I don't think he's been helped by the fact that that Keane hasn't been in very good form this season and has made a number of errors, and so. You know the fact that we finally kept a clean sheet. I think that should have happened earlier in the year. Had had we not had a goalkeeper who was maybe struggling a bit for form, um, but I, I, I've been impressed. I think the organisation's clearly there. There's a goal. The players seem to be enjoying the the, the way we're try, in which we're trying to impl- to play. And I think long term, if we can maybe bring in one or two players to sort of um, you know really really fit that that style of play, um, I think it could be very good. Uh, and, and definitely it's, there's been an improvement this year. So hopefully that keeps going. Hopefully we, we, we keep with this, you know, the, you know, I think we're being organized from the back and then now he's, he's trying to, trying to find ways to add to the attacking sort of threat. The team, the team has mainly through, through, adding a little bit of pace out wide with King um, and things. So, yeah, I think it's been a, a decent start to the season. It's encouraging. And uh, what uh, what do you think going forward uh, with regard to playoffs going up? What, what's, uh, what's your prediction for this season? I was very confident at the start of the year. I thought I thought we made some... Had, had, uh, made some good additions and I, and I thought that we would be in the playoff hunt. I never thought, I think automatic promotion is, is never going to happen. And I mean, it's so early to say, and the, the, the division is so unreliable, you know, with the, the results, you never know going into any week, you know, what's going to happen. But I certainly think we're good enough to be involved in, in the, in the playoffs. Um, I th- I don't think we'll be involved in a in a relegation fight like we were last year. But then I didn't think we were going. You know, this time last year I didn't think that either. So it's, it's so difficult to say in the division. Hmm. If I had to, if I had to guess, I think we pro- we will probably end up being sort of firmly mid table. But I'm hopeful that if we're you know only only a few points off the playoffs in 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 January, then maybe we can add add a bit to it. And 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 increase, improve our chances, and then you know if we get a bit of luck, then you know what you see every year with this division is you just have to hit that stretch where you go on a go on a good run, and and all of a sudden you're you're sitting pr- pretty in the table in, in February or March. Um, so I'm hopeful. You know, I'm certainly going to remain optimistic for the time being. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well. I'll round up there, and that's all we've got time for uh, for this podcast. Uh, coming up, uh, we've got uh, games away to Bournemouth next Saturday, 
then we've got uh, a Tuesday match against Watford at home, uh, followed by another away match uh, on Saturday the 5th of October, uh, away to Wigan. So those, uh, those are the next three matches coming up. Uh, it's been good to have you on, Eddie. Thank you ever so much for coming back. Yeah, it's been it's been nice. Um, hopefully, hopefully when I'm on next, we'll we'll still be talking about everything that's going on on the pitch, and hopefully, performances will have picked up a little bit more too, and my optimism will have been well warranted. Well, actually, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, uh, some financial matters in the coming podcast. So. Uh, Oh well, <laughs> maybe maybe I should have put my optimism on the shelf then. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, twenty-seven million pounds uh, are missing from uh, from Venky's London Limited uh, accounts uh, this last week uh, when they were announced. But there you go. Oh, it's, it's easy. It's easy to to lose track of that yeah. small sum of money. Yeah, it's only twenty-seven. It's only a number. Yeah, exactly. Done uh, it myself on once or twice. Yeah. So we'll be yeah we'll be looking forward to uh, hearing some proper accountant stuff uh, in a coming podcast. Uh, also watch out in the coming days for podcast number sixty eight with uh, Oliver Jones, uh, the co-chair of the Rovers Trust. That's um, uh, us on the forums. Uh, he's been talking to BRSCS about the trust's activities over the last few months. And uh, that will continue our theme of rovers in the community. Well, once again, thank you to Eddie for coming on today. And uh, thanks ever so much to everyone, wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much and do take good care. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's the 90th minute. All you mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.